Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome to the show this week, and boy, do we have another exciting show for you. This one goes out to all of my author listeners or wannabe author listeners who really can't understand why their books aren't selling or their books may be selling but not selling so many copies that they're actually starting to make some money off of it. It doesn't matter whether you have been published traditionally, whether you've um, been published through a hybrid publisher or you've self-published. Book marketing and book selling is what gets your word out there. I mean, you've written these amazing words. Now let's get those books sold so that you can change the lives of those who read your books. For me, writing is very cathartic, and I I love hearing from the readers of my books how their perspectives have changed. And in some cases, I've gotten letters and emails and phone calls from people who say their lives have changed because of something they've read in my books or my blogs or my articles or heard on this show. My goal for the show today is to help you sell more books and to get your messaging so wonderful that your book just keeps selling. You know, you could be the next J.K. Rowling, the next Stephen King, the the next whoever it may be. You need to be yourself when you're selling. And my guest, who I finally got on my show, it's taken me a while, but we finally connected and got it together, is John Kramer. And I met John through Rick Frischman, who's a dear friend and was involved with my publisher at the time. He also hosts Author 101 University, which is coming to Orlando in October. And he said, you need to start following John and read all of his emails that come in. Well, I'm telling you, I have, and it's been amazing. So, John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Laura. That was a great introduction. You know, it's I've read your bio. I've followed you for years. You know, you've got this great book, A Thousand and One Ways to Market Your Books. But you have mentored authors who have sold over a billion books and, and I love this. You've created an initiative called the Billion Book Initiative to help the next generation of authors sell another billion books. That's not a small undertaking. No, it isn't, but it's a lot of fun to try to do it uh, because I think marketing is actually fun. A lot of authors like to just sort of hide away in their attic and write books, and, and for the most part, I'm like that also. I just love sitting here up in the mountains uh, in New Mexico here and just write. Uh, I love creating. But I also know that you have to market because otherwise nobody's going to pay attention. So many authors that have been published, whether it's any of the venues, you know, but let's just start with the, the traditional publishers and even the hybrid publishers. They're like, oh, I just have to write the book. And, and they're going to sell it for me, or even self-published offers. I've heard this. Well, it's up there. It'll just sell itself. What do you say to that? <laughs> it's it's a, a easy question, that, you know, or a statement of, you know, rebuke in the sense, uh, because it's not, it's not really possible. Yes, you'll get a few sales from just being magical, you know, <laughs> having your book up there. But the reality is that the books that sell are because the author is out there doing some sort of promotion, whether it's doing interviews like this, 
TV interviews, magazine publications, online interviews, or other kinds of promotions. You have to do something to help people to find out about your book. Because the first job of an author is to create what I call the word-of-mouth army. You have to get people, you have to create a certain number of fans to get the word-of-mouth going. Once the word-of-mouth goes, then, yes, you can sit back to some extent and just let it happen. But you have to start that. You have to, you're the one that's responsible for generating that first word-of-mouth. How does an author and this is such a big question, it's pretty much the focus of the whole show today, but um, how does somebody begin creating the word-of-mouth army? I mean, does it start with the writing of the book? Does it start before that? Does it start with the cover? I mean, how do, how do you begin? Well, actually, the best thing that an author can do in the beginning is share their writing. Uh, there are great... Uh, Places online like Wattpad, plus, of course, the social media like Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter, and so on, where you can start to share what you're writing, what you're creating. And, you know, I I hear so many authors say, well, I can't do that because then they won't buy the book because I've given it to them already. But the reality is that, you know, there was one author that did start podcasting his book. And as he wrote it, he would uh, do a podcast episode. And by the time he was done writing the book, he had 80,000 listeners. So he basically read on his podcast his book. Yeah, as he was writing it. And so he kept releasing more. Now, this was a novel, so, you know, he was building up interest in it, and people were... You know, by the time he got one-third of the way through, people were saying, finish the dang book, (laughs) (laughs) because I want to read it. You know, they they were really involved, and they were really passionate advocates because they really loved the book. And he got a a big New York Times, you know, New York publisher contract as a result of doing that podcast. I'm sitting here stupefied because it's so simple but yet so profound that a lot of authors, like you said, are afraid to share their work, number one, in early stages because they don't want to be judged on it. But number two, they're afraid that it, nobody would buy the book because they already know the story. Or people will steal the content or yeah. any number of excuses. But the reality is... You have to promote. You have to get the word out about what you're doing. And the only way you're going to build an audience is to share what you have to offer. Don't laugh, but I I did a lot of those (laughs) things when um, before my book came out. I just started talking about the book. I hadn't written a lot about it, but I was talking about the concepts in it and, and all this other stuff. And, you know, I I didn't really realize how many people were following me because of the book process. You know, I was talking about getting my contract with Morgan James. I was talking about all these different things. And then I got advanced copies of my book and the UPS guy delivered them to me. And when he delivered them to me, he goes, Oh, I have your book. And I wasn't expecting them that day. And and I'm like, what do you mean? My book is here. How do you even know it's my book? And he he brings me over to the truck and I had bought like a whole bunch of copies and there were cases in the UPS truck, and on the side of it, it said the name of the book, author Laura Stewart, Morgan James Publishing. It said Laura Stewart Atchison because I was married at the time. And he carries them into the garage, and he goes, aren't you going to open them? And I'm like, well, there's nobody home, and, and there's nobody. He goes, give me your phone. 
And he goes, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to take your picture at the moment you see your book. And he took that, and I had no makeup on. I was dressed in cruddy clothes, you know, and whatever. And and just for the heck of it, I posted it on Facebook because I was so excited. And the look on my face is hysterical. I didn't realize my book was available on Kindle at that point. And I hit bestseller status just from that post. <laughs> you know, it can be that simple and innocent. But, you know, what you had there in your UPS driver was a, a fan, Somebody that obviously already liked you, um, and then he saw that you'd written a book, and he was happy for you. Yeah, and he just really wanted to participate in that process because he couldn't understand how I could just sit there and wait till somebody got home, <laughs> <laughs> till I opened the box of books. Um, but it, it's—I guess it's like that word of mouth that you were talking about. It's creating that that army, but you don't even know who they are unless you start engaging them. Yeah, and, you know, that's one thing that I, I did, uh, you know, one of the simplest ways of promoting is to make a T-shirt of your book. And you'll be surprised how many times people will notice it. So I often wear my T-shirt when I'm traveling, you know, and it's amazing how many people will comment on the plane or in the airport or on the bus to the airport or in the hotel lobby or any number of different places. Uh, I've had people at the grocery store check out people say, I've got to get your book. <laughs> you know? uh, you'd be amazed where your audience is. Uh, fortunately, I like to talk. So, you know, when I'm in a grocery store, I'm talking anyway. I'm making jokes and talking to people. And that's fun, you know, and, and that's the easy thing to do. In fact, I once did a radio interview in the grocery store because I didn't make it home in time. And it was one of these phone-in interviews, and I had to call from the, uh, sitting on, I think, uh, some flower sacks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the background during the interview, there was a uh, price check on aisle nine. <laughs> makes it and, very and real. Yeah, it makes it authentic, and I could incorporate that into it. And I say, look, you can promote your books anywhere. Here I am sitting in the middle of a grocery store doing the radio interview. It was a national radio interview, and... You know, it was a simple thing to do, and I could bring in the whole experience of sitting there, you know, doing the interview. It's interesting. You use the word authentic, right, with the idea that you're in this grocery store, you've got your T-shirt, you're, you're doing this interview. How important is it for the authors to be authentic when they're marketing their book? It's very important because that's how you build rapport with the people who are listening. And that's what creates your fans. That's what starts to do it. You know, a lot of times, you know, if somebody hears you speaking either through a radio interview or live, they become a stronger advocate for your book than if they had simply read your book because they've heard you. They felt the passion from your speaking. So they know that it's real, that it's not just what's in the book, but it's also the person behind the book. And that's important because people fall in love with writers. And, uh, you know, that's important because that's what creates the fans. And that creates the word of mouth. So it's about being yourself, being real, and, and not trying to be something you're not because that'll show up. 
That's what I'm hearing right. you say. And, and it, it's also in terms of how you answer the questions. You know, uh, when they ask a question, you're not there saying, buy my book, buy my book, you know, every third sentence. And, and I've heard interviews like that, and they're terrible. What you have to do is give good content, and the people will automatically go, oh, I need his book or I need her book, because they'll realize that if you gave away that much content, there has to be even more content in the book that's worthwhile, worth buying. And that's a perfect way to go into our first uh, commercial break. We'll be right back (laughs) with more from John Kramer. John, how important are book covers and book titles? They're real important for the passerbys, the people who see it, uh, whether it's online or in a bookstore, uh, people get attracted to a, co- a good cover or, or a good title. And the thing is, if the title isn't good enough, then people can't remember, which means they can't pass it on, which means the word of mouth doesn't happen. There was an uh, amazing story I read a number of years ago of a New York publisher uh, publishing a novel, and they kept calling it the office novel because nobody could remember the title. Now, when the publishers can't remember the title, you know you got a big problem. Seriously. And, <laughs> and I remember there was a major writer who wrote about it and said, I love this book, but I know it's not going to sell because I can't remember the title. <laughs> wow. You know? So to me, the most important criteria is that the title is memorable. It's something that you can pass on uh, so that people can tell their friends and their loved ones that there's a great book and here's how to get it. Is there a a way to help my listeners find the best title for their book? Are there some tips you can share with us on book titles? The the key thing is uh, keep the title short in most cases. Short is normally better, but that means you can still use a subtitle to, you know, tell people what the book is about, but you, the purpose of a book title is to draw people in, to attract them to your book. From there, the book does the selling. People will pick it up, they'll look at it, they'll open it up, uh, and they'll start to read it, possibly, and that's what matters. But you have to have a good book cover. I do, one of the services I offer is helping people come up with a great book cover, and, you know, that's something that I offer. But the key is, is it memorable? Is it something that you remember? Can you ask other people, uh, do you remember this title? Do you, uh, I was just going to say, do you like the title? But that's the wrong question. You know, it's all about the questions. (laughs) (laughs) The question you have to ask somebody when you want feedback on your title is, would you buy this book? Does the title make you want to take action? Because that's what's important. It's not whether or not somebody likes it. Because I guarantee you, if you ask 10 friends, do you like the title of my book? At least nine of them, if they like you, are going to say, I love your title. And that's not the right question because they want to please you. They, they're going to say yes. But what, if, they, if you ask them, would you buy the book based on the title, that's a, a much they have to be much more honest about it. Well, no, or, or yes, gosh, I really love the title now, you know, that you asked it. I can't wait to buy it. That that's interesting because one of the things I talk about in my own book and on this show is I want my listeners to ask questions that are more open-ended. So like, do you like this title? Yes or no. 
does this title make you want to take action, make you want to buy the book? Yeah, it's a yes or a no, but it's a, it's a different kind of question. So it makes people think and take you to the next step. So I love that. Right. That's really fantastic. Yeah, and that's really the key. And so even if you, it's like also with uh, the covers of your book, one of the ways that you can test the cover is if you have an online website or a blog or a Facebook page, you can ask people, which of these covers would you buy first? And again, you can't ask that question, which cover do you like? <laughs> you know, because that doesn't work. People want to please you. But which of these covers would you buy first? At, you know, really gets them to think about the action that they would take in choosing the cover. Now, if you don't have a website or a Facebook page, you can always go down to your local mall or that wonderful Cuban restaurant I just heard about that has Cuban coffee. I can't wait to drink. You, you know? Come on down here anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you could go there and just put your sample covers down and ask for feedback. And again, the feedback you want is, which one would you buy first? I'm a nonfiction author. So a, a question I have is, does this, what category or topic do you think this book is along? Like, I'm about to redo the cover of my book because I love my cover of my book, but I think it gives people more a feel that it might be a fiction book versus a nonfiction book. Yeah, and, and that can be a trouble, and that's why you have to design the book cover so it says nonfiction or it says fiction. If it's ambiguous, uh, people will skip it. So you need to understand the category that your book is going into when somebody's designing their cover then? Yes. In fact, what I usually do is when I'm ready to do a new book cover is I send my book designer, here are three book, uh, recent book covers I like. Uh, give me my book title in one of these styles. And and he does, and he always improves upon it. And I go, you know, that's the way to start with a good, you know, a book cover or designer or an artist or even somebody on Fiverr to give them examples of covers that you like and then go from there. So you don't need to spend a lot of money on a book cover. I mean, you just mentioned Fiverr. I tried that once. It was a horrible experience, but I didn't really <laughs> research enough out there. Are there some resources for good finding good people to help you design your cover if you are self-publishing? Yes. Uh, I actually have on my bookmarketingbestsellers.com website a list of uh, book cover designers, about 200 of them. And uh, so that's a good place to start. And say, then, say that website again, John? Uh, bookmarketingbestsellers.com. Okay, great. And the other thing is Fiverr can be a great resource. I've, I've known people that have gotten great covers. Now, usually you have to spend more than $5. In other words, they'll give you a treatment, and then to finish it, it might cost you $50. But there are great, great ones out there, and what you do is you look at their ratings. Okay, so you want to do your research on them like you would no matter Anything what you're else. Okay. If you're picking a distributor or a publisher or a printer, you want to do the research so that you get the best, the best person, the best company there that you can work with to produce what you want to produce.
Are there some styles of book covers that you feel are more effective or colors that make a difference, or it doesn't matter anymore? That doesn't... I, I've seen covers, all different colors, work very effectively, so I don't think there's a, a secret to that. I would say that if you're doing a cookbook, you want warmer co- colors, reds and yellows, versus, uh, you know, greens and blues. Um, but that's about the only thing I can say. Gardening, of course, it's going to be, you know, a lot of green because gardens are green. Um, but you want to look for the colors. Basically, colors don't matter. Um, other than for cookbooks, warmer colors do, you know, do make a difference. Okay, that's good to know because, you know, I've heard that, you know, have red on your cover because it helps people focus on it. I've heard never use blues. I've, I've heard, you know, but then we see books by like, say, Jen Cisneros, who are you a badass? I mean, that was never the title that you'd ever see on a book and it's yellow and it's all words. It's, there's so much words on the cover. It's almost hard to look. She broke all the rules and her book is huge. Yeah. And that's just the thing is that you but to break the rules, you need to know the rules. You need to know what makes for an effective color. I mean, I sat on book panels uh, where we would judge books, and I would watch as people, major buyers from Barnes & Noble and, and book wholesalers and distributors and, and radio people and TV people, they pick up a book and they're making an instant judgment on the quality of the book. And hold the right there, because the we're going we're gonna to go to national news, so we'll be right back with more from John Kramer. <laughs> uh, For those of you just joining us live on the air in this second um, half of the show, we are here with John Kramer um, author of 1,000 Ways to Market Your Books. He has helped authors who have sold over a billion books, and he's a founder of the Billion Book Initiative to help the next generation of book authors sell another billion books. This guy knows his stuff. I've been following him for years, and we've been sharing great stuff. If you're on the podcast, there was no news break. We're right back with John Kramer. So, John, before the break, we were talk- you were talking and sharing a story, and you said this one statement, which I love, to break the rules, you need to know the rules. And you were sharing a story about when you've been on some book panels. I'd like you to finish that story because we got cut off. <laughs> well, the key thing there is that people do judge a book by its cover, and they really do make buying decisions by it, uh, especially the decision makers along the way, the people in the stores that buy books for, you know, to stock the stores, the people in the wholesalers who decide which books they're going to carry, uh, the TV producers and radio producers look at a book cover and decide, is this a serious author or not? And that's why you really do need to, you know, if you spend money anywhere along the way of producing your book, it has to be on the cover because that's so important to get people to pick it up. To, to click on it and, and, you know, if they're buying it through Amazon or something like that. And, you know, that's really important is that they be able to look at the cover and say, hmm, this looks like a serious book and it looks like a book that I want. So it appeals to them on a almost visceral level when they yes. see it, it, it affects something in their body. Yeah, and so you can't do, uh, you know, I actually when I consult with authors who are being published by a New York publisher and I look at their book cover and I, I, I often tell them, you have to do 
go back to your publisher and say, you got to do a better job. <laughs> yeah. Because you can tell the difference between what I call an A-list title and a B-list title or a C-list title from a major publisher. And the way you can tell the difference is what, how much attention was put into creating a great cover. Okay, I, I get that. So you're saying A-list, B-list, C-list. They'll spend more time if they think the book is going to sell more? Is that what you're saying? Yes, and they're going to put more money into it. They're going to advertise more. And if they're doing a, a schlocky job on the cover, you know you're in trouble because you know you're a B- or C-list title, which means they're not going to spend any money or probably any time on you. So you have to get them to be honest. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Spend the time to make a great cover, and then they'll probably spend more time and money promoting your book. And the same is true if you self-publish. You have to be the one that makes that decision to give greater credibility to your book by having a great cover. Is there any benefit to being to self-publishing or having a hybrid or a traditional publisher in your mind's eye? The be- biggest benefit of self-publishing is you can get it out quickly. The main drawback is you're going to have really bad distribution. <laughs> okay. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, a New York publisher can go to Barnes & Noble and say, we want 10 copies in every store, and Barnes & Noble will say, okay. But if a self-publisher said, I want 10 copies in every store, Barnes & Noble would laugh them out of the room. So how does a self-published author get their stuff into bookstores, or, or is it even worth it? You know, they, everybody says bookstores are dead. I don't believe so. I love bookstores. No, and they say libraries are, are, are dead. Much and, life. Okay. But I think what you have to have, you have to create the demand. You have to get people walking into the stores asking for it. Because if the demand is there, the store will stock it. And so your job as an author is to create the demand, create the word of mouth, do the publicity, the Internet marketing, to create some sort of demand. Get your fans out there talking about it to their friends. I actually have a post on my uh, bookmarketingbestsellers.com website on 50 ways you can help an author you love. Oh, I've read that post. That's an awesome post. Yeah, and it's a great one to give to your friends if you're an author to, uh, you know, print it out and give it to them and say, here, you asked how you could help, pick away. <laughs> and, and, there's and, plen- and the 50 ways that I give are, are real ways. They're, they're ways, you know, not just while, you know, saying the book is nice, but actual actions that they can take to help promote your book. Okay, so share a couple of those. Well, one would be a simple thing of, of going into your local bookstore with your friend's book and saying, you need to stock this book. You know, I have three friends that came down here and they couldn't find it. You know, something like that. I mean, if, if you create that or you go, you know, if your friend knows a local reporter or local radio personality uh, and they could connect you with them, that's great. Anything like that where they can help you. If they have a, if they're a member of the Rotary Club and, you know, they know the person in charge of bringing in speakers, tell them, you know, encourage them to tell that person about you and your book. Simple things, but most of the time people don't even know what they can do to help. 
Yeah, and then or share it on your Facebook page, uh, blog about it if you have a blog. So there are a lot of different ways that you can help a friend if you want to. The first and foremost way, of course, is to buy the book from them. Don't ask them to give it to you. Um, you know, my rule is my mom gets a copy, everybody else pays. If people don't seem to realize that there is a cost involved with creating a book, even if you have a traditional publisher, that there's still a cost involved with right. creating a book. So, you know, th- that's what's important is that, you know, you want to keep the integrity of your friendship, and the best way to do that is to sell the book to them, don't give it to them. You know, I just mentioned, yeah, I can't tell you how many people are like, well, you're going to give me a copy of the book, right? I'm like, no. You know, every time I get a copy of the book, there's a cost for me to get a copy of the book. Right. So what are, in in your mind, in in your, what you've seen, the average cost for somebody to self-publish a book? Well, nowadays you can do it with print-on-demand for very little money. I mean, basically you can sign up for Ingram Spark um, to uh, publish your book on print-on-demand, which means that they produce one copy at a time. And you can sign up for $50 and have a printed book in stock, ready to go at the major book wholesaler in the country, Ingram Booksellers, which then distributes to Amazon, distributes to all the bookstores in the country, and if the book is available. So the major cost is going to be the cover, depending on whether or not you go with a professional designer that might cost 1000 to $3,000, or you go with somebody on Fiverr. And, and again, you can typeset the book yourself using Microsoft Word if you want to, or, you know, any other, uh, you know, high-quality page uh, layout program. So, you know, if you can do that on your own, because I always write my book and lay it out at the same time. Um, Of course, when you edit, then you have to sort of relay it out. But, you know, I start by writing the book within a, a word processing program that I can actually print the book from. How important is editing? Editing is important if you're not a good editor. And even if you're a good editor, you still need a proofreader. Because uh, the first edition of my 1,001 Ways to Market Your Books had this one blind spot I have. I would start saying, there is something or other, and then I'd do a list, so it should have been, there are. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and it's because in my mind I was going to do one li- you know, one thing, and then I'd turn it into a list. And so it was a blind spot for me, and there were like 12 of those in the book. Now, in a you know 500-page book, that's not such a big deal, but it's still something that I now know that I have to search and replace whenever I do a book because that is a blind spot for me. Otherwise, I'm a good editor. But you've trained yourself to be a good editor. Not everybody can do that for themselves. Not everybody can do that. And, and if that's the case, you should hire a good editor, and it should be a book editor, not your local high school teacher or, or even your, your college English teacher, because they don't know how to write books. And, and a book is different than writing an essay for an English class or something like that. So hire a professional who can make your book even better. Yeah. 
Yeah, if that's a blind spot for you, uh, then, or if you want to risk doing it with the high school teacher, you need to hire three high school teachers so that they correct each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're laughing, but I, I happen to know that's true. <laughs> and, and it's nothing against English teachers. I, I love English teachers. I've taught English and so on. But it, it, it is a mindset of how you approach a book and whether or not you allow people to be colloquial. And in a book, you should be more colloquial. It should almost sound like a person is talking to you. And, you know, most English teachers will tell you, don't write like you speak, because obviously most of us speak very poorly, maybe. Uh, but it still matters, because in a book, you're really trying to create a relationship with your reader. You want them to fall in love with you as they read the book and feel like that there's a real person talking to them. And the thing that I've always done with my books is people come back to me and say, you know, I feel like I know you from reading your book. And that's a high compliment. That's a, that's a beautiful thing and a perfect way to go into our last commercial break. I'd like everybody to think about are you in your book? Are you sharing yourself? Or are you being somebody completely different? Now, if you're writing fiction, obviously that's different, but your voice still needs to be in there. So we'll be right back with more from the amazing John Kramer. I have to ask you this, John. Is there a question that no one has ever asked you about book marketing and publishing that you wish they would have? Gosh, you put me right there on the spot. I'm not sure uh, what question that would be, but it would probably be something like, what's the most important thing that you can do in marketing your books? And a lot of people don't necessarily ask that. And actually, one of the things that I encourage uh, authors to do is to get out there and talk about their book, uh, speak wherever they can. And I know that a lot of authors speaking is, like, terrifying, but the thing is that speaking gets less and less terrifying the more you do it. And the first time I went up to speak, I mean, I had butterflies up the yin-yang. You know, it was terrible, and it was really hard. But now I push people off the stage to get up there to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture if you doing that. taking too long to introduce me, I'd say, hey, that's enough. Let's get going. I got to go, you know. <laughs> So you so the answer to the question of well the question is what is the most important thing you can do to market your book and you're saying it's talk about it get out there and talk about it yes uh, just to individuals or speak where you know your local uh, garden club or library or anything like that ask your local bookstore to host you um, you know I was just thinking about that because one of my favorite bookstores in the world is the Vero Beach Book Center. Oh, I love that place. They're so awesome here. Yeah, it's a good bookstore, and, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I love supporting local bookstores. So, you know, that's the place you go to buy my book if you want to buy my book. Much better than going to Amazon, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it, it, they've been so supportive of my book. They always carry copies of it in the store, and, and they always sell because I'm always talking about the book. And, and I love that people can get who are listening locally can get your book there as well. Um, you mentioned libraries, and I think we'd be remiss if we did not talk about that in this last segment. 
how does somebody get into a library and is it relevant to do so? There, libraries are important uh, because they give you an opportunity to allow people to sample your book. Uh, a lot of people will check out your book. If they love it, they're going to buy a copy. And that happens a lot. Um, it happened to me. I've bought many books that I first checked out in a library, but I wanted to keep it. You know, and the library wouldn't let me do that. <laughs> uh, so I had to buy the book. And uh, so it's important. It, it gives people a chance to sample your book. Now, I know from my own experience that somebody, you know, found my book in a library, because it's like 550 pages long, they're going to want a copy to keep on their book, you know, the bookshelf. A novel, maybe not so much, but it's amazing how many times my wife has checked out a book and then bought it as a gift for somebody else. So I think libraries are important because they do involve more sales, even though, and more word of mouth, because even if a person just read your book in the library and doesn't buy it for anybody else, or recommend, you know, they will recommend it to other people. They will talk about it if they liked it. How do you get into and a library? The, there are two key ways to get into a library. One is to get a review in one of the library journals, like Library Journal, Booklist, uh, School Library Journal, a few like that, that really make it a difference in libraries deciding what books they're going to buy and stock. But the most important way is to get people to go into the libraries and ask, is, is your book available? So that's one of the best things your friend can do for you is to go into the library and ask, hey, do you have, uh, what's your book title again? What Would a Wise Woman Do? <laughs> what Would a Wise Woman Do? Uh, and, and then they will, the library will check it because the library wants to serve its users. So if the users are asking for a book, they're going to buy it. The first time they may, you know, do an interlibrary loan, but if the second person comes in and wants to get the book, at some point they're going to say, okay, we need to stock this book because there is a legitimate demand here. Can authors make money getting their books into libraries? You make a little bit of money because you're, you're selling to wholesalers because libraries buy primarily to wholesalers. Uh, so you're going to have to sell to the wholesaler, and they're going to want 50% discount. So you'll make 50% or, or maybe 40%. But the thing is, is the ancillary sales, the number of times people will buy your book because they saw it in the library. So one of the key things that every book should contain is an order page in the back or some way of getting in contact with the author to find out how to buy multiple copies or something like that. Because, for example, Laura, with your book, what would a wise woman ask? Do. Said it again. What would a wise woman do? Why, what would a wise woman do? I see that that could potentially be something that a lot of people would want to buy multiple copies of. And so if you make it clear in your book that, hey, if you like this book and you want to buy it for your company or for your uh, women's group or for the women's shelter or whatever it might be, here's a way to do that. I love that. I never would have thought of that, but that makes so much sense. And, and you know, your book is, is there's so many women's care facilities, shelters, uh, things like that, 
that your book would be incredibly valuable for. So you would want to target them and encourage them to buy multiple copies. Yeah, colleges as well. Uh, my book. Colleges, uh, yes. I found a lot of people were actually buying my books for their college-bound um, daughters and sometimes sons and the graduating oh, cool. classes because That's they f- great. felt it would really help them. Maybe your book will be the no, the new Oh, the Places You Will Go. Oh, that would be amazing. I love that book. <laughs> that Dr. Seuss's book uh, becomes a bestseller every graduation season because so many people buy it for the graduate, you know, the graduating seniors. Yeah, and and he didn't plan that when he put it together. So I want to make sure because we, I've had a couple of people email me um, that were listening to the show and say, "How do we get in touch with John?" So. The best way is to go to my website, bookmarketingbestsellers.com, and you can uh, email me from there, and uh, or you can email me at books at bookmarketingbestsellers.com. And again, if you want to buy the book, go down to Vero Beach Book Center. <laughs> and, and we have people who are international that listen to this show, not live, but on the podcast, so they can get it anywhere books are sold? They can get it. Most places, but uh, obviously for many of them, they'd probably go to Amazon and buy the ebook. Okay, perfect. I love that. Um, and I recommend when you get to John's website, bookmarketingbestsellers.com, that you do subscribe because his email newsletter that he sends out has so many amazing tips that are just completely actionable. So it, it's he's not one of these people that is constantly trying to sell you. He's just providing valuable, valuable information. So I, I love that about you. Last and that's actually the second most important uh, book marketing tip is to just share what you know and share what you love, and people will buy your book. You actually have a post about um, sharing the love. It's like book marketing tips as include love is one of your tips. Oh, wow. I'll have to find it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's right on your, your website, bookmarketingbestsellers.com. One of the book marketing tips, include love. I love that. I just think that's so beautiful and says so much about you. It was the thing you said uh, at one point, uh, the authenticity. You have to be authentic. You have to care about the people you're writing for. Because if you care, it will show in the book that you write. And your book will sell itself if people fall in love with it. But it it has to get into people's hands in the first place, and that's why you have to start by creating fans. I, I love that. So everybody, get a copy of John Kramer's book, 1001 Ways to Market Your Books. Sign up at bookmarketingbestsellers.com for his amazing, valuable tips. And John, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Laura. Everybody, remember the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking today? And who are you asking it of? If you have an idea for a great guest, let me know. And we'll be back with you next week. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. Thank you.